It's A Plus Weekly, my news roundup of what has caught my eye this week in the tech world, focusing on the Apple ecosystem, out first on YouTube as a video podcast, and then on the usual podcast platforms. On the show this week, could the EU ban the iPhone 15? How revenge spending boosted Apple's financial report over the last quarter? Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro are coming to the iPad, but there's a catch. And can digital assistants be more like Jarvis? I'm Saab Johal. This is my 10th show in this podcast, which is a bit of a milestone because the majority of podcasts don't make it this far. Thanks for listening. Please drop me a message, a like, rate and share the podcast too. It all helps people find the podcast and helps me just a little bit too. And with that, let's get into it. Could the EU ban the iPhone 15 and who will blink first on USB-C? We know that EU legislators have forced Apple into agreeing that they will abandon their lightning connector and finally transition to USB-C. Though it hasn't been officially announced, it looks highly likely that this will start with the iPhone 15 model. But Apple has been planning on tweaking their system to allow them to restrict features via USB-C unless a proprietary Apple cable is being used. Apple could be in the process of including USB-C accessories in its made for iPhone or MFI program, which enables products that conform to their quality guidelines. It was rumored in February that Apple might slow down charging and data transfer speeds of non-certified USB-C cables, but the EU doesn't look like that it's gonna let that slide. Cherry Breton, a senior Brussels official said that devices that do not meet the common charger requirements will not be allowed on the EU market. Apple doesn't absolutely need to comply with the EU regulation for USB-C ports until 2024, so it's still uncertain if the iPhone 14 models will actually have one. Member states must change local laws by December 28, 2023 in order to meet regulations, but those laws won't be enforced until December 28, 2024. So, who will blink first? Apple or the EU? Or will the whole thing get put off until 2024? We shall get some clues, if not an announcement, at WWDC next month. As the lockdowns ended, the sound of shoppers tapping their credit cards echoed through the streets as people splurged on revenge spending. People craved the luxurious feel of expensive handbags, the sparkle of diamonds and the bubbly taste of premium champagne. The A-list also featured the cream of the crop when it came to phones. The handset market endured its worst performance since 2013 when global smartphone shipments declined by 18% last year and the outlook for the coming year is only slightly more optimistic. Nevertheless, according to one estimate, the average selling price for phones rose 5% last year. The contrast between the two types of buyers is becoming more pronounced. Lower income consumers are stretching out their phone purchases for as long as possible, only buying the most basic models, while higher income buyers are looking for the most advanced devices on the market. Both Samsung and Apple recently reported higher than expected earnings, indicating that customers are more likely to purchase their most expensive products. Apple's iPhone 14 Pro models experienced a resurgence in the quarter following supply chain disruptions that hindered production in the previous quarter. For those that rely on them, 
Apple's flagship devices are a familiar, trusted option that comes with the advantage of regular upgrades. But we ought not to forget that iPhone 14 models, costing as much as $1,599 each, are extravagantly expensive, more than the GDP per capita of the world's poorest 35 nations. Shopping for luxury items doesn't have to be limited to expensive markets though. India, Indonesia and Turkey all experienced a surge in iPhone sales last quarter, a clear sign that there are ample consumers with the financial means to purchase their costly phones. In China, the largest smartphone market in the world, the rising cost of smartphones has been a trend for the past eight years, despite slow demand growth. India shows similar signs. According to CounterPoint, shipments dropped by 19% in the last quarter, while sales in the premium segment of 45,000 rupees, $550, and above surged 66%, while those in the lower 10 to 20,000 rupee band declined 34%. Though far behind in size and wealth compared to China, South Asia has a bustling market of customers wanting to buy premium products. During a call with investors, Tim Cook highlighted Apple's growing reach in India, expressing optimism for the company. I was just there and the dynamism in the market, the vibrancy is unbelievable, he said. There are a lot of people coming into the middle class and I really feel that India is at a tipping point. And Apple is positioning themselves to supply that desire for the most premium products. Despite the iPhone's unexpectedly good performance, Apple's other aspects of its business still suffered, with a second quarter in a row of year-over-year declines. Net income was down 3% from the same quarter of the year prior. Mac sales had plummeted by an astounding 30%, settling at $7.17 billion, with Refinitiv declaring it was much lower than the estimated 25% decrease to $7.8 billion, predicted by the analysts. But they are not alone. Apple's stumbles were just one part of a wider tech world slump, but the industry is showing signs of recovery in this last quarter. Last week, Alphabet reported revenue higher than expected during its first quarter, while Meta reported earnings that surpassed investor expectations. We may be at a turning point, but what remains around the next corner still seems pretty unclear. It's finally happened. Apple are bringing Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro to the iPad and they are out on May 23rd. And there's some great news and some so-so news about that, depending on how you feel about subscription-based models. Both Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro will bring their new touch interface model integrated with multi-touch, giving a responsiveness and intuitiveness that's so precious when editing media and something that I valued highly editing on LumaFusion. More about that clash point between Final Cut Pro and LumaFusion at the end. I'm going to focus more on Final Cut Pro here because that's definitely more my thing. As well as all you'd expect for Final Cut Pro on iPad, like a magnetic timeline, they have some new and interesting features such as live drawing, enabling users to draw and write directly on top of video content using Apple Pencil. On iPad Pro with M2, Apple Pencil Hover unlocks the ability for users to quickly skim and preview footage without ever touching the screen. There will also be multi-cam video editing available where clips can automatically be synchronized and edited together, and users can even switch angles in a multi-cam clip with just the touch of a finger. 
The feature readout also brings Scene Removal Mask, where creators can quickly remove or replace the background behind a subject in a clip without using a green screen. Auto crop adjusts footage for vertical, square, and other aspect ratios, and with voice isolation, background noise, like the rain that you can hear behind me, can easily be removed from audio captured in the field. There's also the promise of being able to choose from a large library of professional graphics, effects, and audio to enhance your storytelling, including HDR backgrounds, customizable animated patterns, and professional soundtracks that automatically adjust to the length of a video. So here are my thoughts. Apple is clearly going after the Adobe model here with the subscription model. And you'll need at least an M1 iPad to use most of the features in these applications. So far as LumaFusion goes, the fact that the iPad version of Final Cut Pro is only available to M1 iPads and newer will keep LumaFusion going for a while. But for the former poster child for Apple that showcased the iPad's portable video editing capabilities, this likely spells trouble. Sure, they may have lost a few hardcore video editors to DaVinci Resolve's recent iPad offerings, but really, only the geeks. Everyday video editors who have older iPads and or don't want to get locked into a subscription model for cost reasons or they just don't like subscriptions, well, that market is safe for now. And I suspect that's most of their users. But for people who want the best experience and want to stay with the Apple ecosystem to take advantage of the integrations between desktop and iPad video editing suites, as well as the best optimized use of the hardware that it runs on, well, I think that that's going to be a growing segment and LumaFusion could get marooned. And to be honest, I'm not sure what they can do about it. Sure, they've just released six-track multicam, but to be honest, I find the container clunky to use, especially when using it with other tracks. I'm yet to use Final Cut Pro on iPad, but I'd be keen to get my hands on it to discover what it offers and what the learning curve might look like. And I'm sure I won't be alone. Why can't digital assistants be more like Jarvis? In a previous podcast, I talked about how clunky Siri was feeling these days and how there isn't much visibility and what Apple is going to do to address this. And that's true for Amazon too. Now, Sarita Rai has written an interesting newsletter for Bloomberg from Bangalore, India, about how big an upgrade they're going to have to stretch to. She argues that when we compare Jarvis, the artificially intelligent butler built by Tony Stark in the Marvel Universe, to the legacy digital assistants who perform basic tasks such as setting reminders and compiling shopping lists, the gap in capability is just immense. Following this parallel, Siri, Google Assistant and Alexa are no match for the powerful large language model systems like chat GPT, which can not only answer queries, but carry out complex tasks. And now the competition to develop AI assistants that can provide the most personalized experience is intensifying. Manish Gupta, the head of Google's AI research lab in Bangalore, says his dream of a personal assistant is almost within reach. At a recent AI event, he presented a vision of getting specialized help for learning or health goals. A helper that's not just a transaction machine, but thinks ahead to higher goals. The LLM-powered bot of the near future will sort out your entire vacation, so you don't have to worry about getting flights, hotels, or picking restaurants. It'll do it all for you. We don't have it all figured out yet, but we do have Pi, aka Personal Intelligence, put together by 
Inflection AI. It's a neutral listener that helps people feel like they're being listened to. Be My Eyes offers assistance to those with vision problems. And another bot from Other Side AI keeps track of an email inbox for a certain sender answering when it gets the email. Navigating the digital assistance from these tech giants can be a tedious and disheartening experience. The hope of chat GPT like systems is to work through tasks in a way that mimics human reasoning, but also intuition, the only route to offering helpful personalized report. In the Marvel Universe, Jarvis has proven that a great assistant knows when to go the extra mile and can figure out solutions without needing constant direction. So can digital assistants be more like Jarvis? Andy Jassy, CEO of Amazon, recently suggested that Alexa will soon become the ultimate personal assistant. That will necessitate a massive improvement from its current level, and it will have to contend with the likes of Alphabet, Meta, Microsoft, and the one that started it all, OpenAI. Whether or not we think AI assistants should be so familiar with our wants, needs, and desires seems to be an issue that has been glossed over as the technological race to be the first best Jarvis clone escalates. But we can't avoid this question forever. Problem is, by the time Jarvis is combing through our deepest intimate details, it will be too late to say yes, but not like that. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit that bell to make sure you don't miss my next video. And on audio, be sure to follow or something like that to get my next show. I'm Saab Johal. This channel is A+. Thanks for being here. Cheers and go well. Thank you.